Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Netizens. I am Nat and I am joined by my lovely fellow podcaster, Jimin. Hello. And we are here to bring you all of the interesting and fun conversations uh, to be had about K-pop and K-entertainments. So uh, let's start with what we're listening to. Cool. Okay, because look, <laughs> my playlist has not changed much. I, yeah. I have to admit, week to week, it, it doesn't have that much variety. So I still have Same Page by Tilly Birds. You already know. I finally learned the whole song in Thai. So <laughs> I'm proud of myself. <laughs> and then I was listening to a Teenage Dirtbag a lot, like on repeat, oh. like by Weedis. I okay. Girl, you know, I had this idea for something and then I was like, okay, Teenage Dirtbag is definitely something that would be a part of this idea. And so I was just listening to it a lot. And then I've been listening to Love by Kendrick Lamar. It's also a part of that same idea. Don't ask what the idea is. It's ridiculous. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> the other day I found myself listening to Heat by Luna in the car. So that's actually an underrated gem from them, I think. Yeah. And then also because I was trying to test out like my... Um, See if like my voice is back in order to sing songs. I was to So Gone by Monica. Like ah. I need to get on that Monica tip, ladies and gentlemen, and everything <laughs> in between and outside. And lastly, Wine by Siren. So I actually have been listening to everything under the sun. I cannot make up my mind. Like one day I'm listening to like reggaeton, and then I'm listening to backstreet boys and nsync and then the next day i'm listening to like girls aloud and the next day i'm listening to faith hill i've just been like all over the place musically i think it's more of a vibe so i've been like putting together like sort of playlists kind of stuff um just based on vibes so like and themes and songs so it doesn't matter about the genre anymore it's just like a, a mismatch yep. of like things like i was listening to plastic love a lot the other day um because City Pop is everything, and like OSTs and anime openings. I don't know. Like as I said, it's just been a lot, and just of every single thing that I could like kind of get my hands on. Mostly though, like still Marina, still Beyonce, still um, Got Seven. So like those are kind of like the staples, regardless of what I'm listening to. A lot of little mix too, I think recently and then um i didn't actually listen like i mean we're gonna get into it i didn't get listen to all of uh kyungsu's debut album but i did listen to the title and yeah i i guess we'll just get right into comebacks and debuts <laughs> so <laughs> uh dio did debut with his um debut album called empathy and the title is Rose. And I thought it was going to give me like Kevin Garrett for whatever reason, because he has like, Dio has like a very soulful voice. But it ended up, Rose specifically gave me more Jason Mraz. And I've never been a fan of Jason Mraz. I know a lot of people are, but I just never have been a fan of that dude. Did you listen to um, Rose? If I can be, keep it real for a second, I was disconnected from the Dio stuff. So I didn't. Ah. Um, yeah. But hearing that it sounds like Jason Mraz doesn't give me much confidence. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I I agree with you on not being big on Jason Mraz. So, but, you know, I'd like to give things a chance. Yeah. So I'll take a listen. But. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to definitely give it a listen. So there's a bunch of comebacks, um, which is great because, like, I I think like, the last two episodes have been, like, mm, July's music has not been, it hasn't slapped. But <laughs> uh, we have, like, Golden Child is coming back with Game Changer. Uh, Sun Me is coming back with You Can't Sit With Us. The Boys is coming back. Weekly's coming back. Astro's coming back. 
John Somi is coming back with Dum Dum. Dreamcatcher is coming back with B Cuz. And Red Velvet, they have this huge like Queen's archive project that highlights like their B sides basically throughout their career because they are coming up to seven years, right? Um, mm -hmm. As a group. So, I mean, it is a big milestone, you know, and it has, it's their first comeback in like a year and like seven months, eight months, because the last song they had was Psycho. And then when they Psycho, had her, right? her accident, yeah. So, this is their first comeback. So, it's like this huge thing that SME is doing. And basically, like the word queen is everywhere. And like they're going back and they're doing like these little mini videos on their like, um, their b-sides i think they did like something so crazy and like yuri did one just recently i'm really hoping they do body talk because that's like the only that's song, best song. it is basically their best song so i'm hoping that they do body talk i'd be so excited for it i am i don't know how i feel about red velvet coming back i mean i think we mean red velvet have had a relationship that has been like a roller coaster you know sometimes i'm really sure. about it and then sometimes i'm like ugh what are you guys right. talking about you know so i'm i'm interested i'm definitely gonna like i go into every single song i listen to with the expectation that i i should like it if i don't like it it's it's just not my style you know it's not my thing whatever but i do try to go in with an open mind so i'm i'm hoping that august does august and like the rest of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter sort of continues delivering good music. But yeah, what any any sort of comebacks or debuts or anything like that that you're maybe that you're paying attention to? Well, I mean, to be all of these are pretty much new to me, except for uh, Dio's comeback, which, like I said, I kind of found out about at really the last minute. But I am interested in the boys mm -hmm. uh, just because uh, our last episode on them, we did a featured on them and I did like you know, some of their newer things that they had to offer. And I thought they had a lot of potentially grow on me as a group. I could see them being sort of the way 17 is for me, which is mm -hmm. like, I don't necessarily listen to everything, but I do like their music and I do like the guys and I am familiar with the guys. So I, I could see them being that kind of group for me. So I am curious to see what they come back with. I know we liked Weekly's first album. I yes. think we listened to it last year. We did an album review on Patreon. Feel free yeah. to check that out. Yes. <laughs> and... I feel like they had potential. I thought something had happened with them that was they had some sort of a scandal, if I'm not mistaken. So I think I kind of pulled back on it, but I'll, I'll definitely keep my eyes open for it. I would have said Astro, but I'm off the child new train. If you <laughs> <can tell>. yeah. <laughs> These past few episodes, I have not shouted him out. So yeah. and not or his or his late or his lace friend. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's not saying he's the only reason to listen to Astro, but I will say that like, I did like one of their more recent offerings, but like, I just don't know if it's enough to like, keep me interested. I'll listen to it. If I come across it, I'm not going to go out of my way for it just because of all the, the debacle with how I ended up exiting from Child New Hive. <laughs> Yes. But yeah, I think that's, those are really the ones that I'm like really going to keep my eyes open for. Red Velvet, I I have like the same kind of issue that you do with them. And also I feel like in a way, I feel like their music grows on me. Mm, so it's mean. like, even if I listen to it at first and I don't like it, I might end up liking it like a year later. That's how I was with Red Flavor. Like I wasn't huge on Red Flavor. Mm -hmm. And then like all of a sudden I really liked Red Flavor. So yeah, I'm interested to see, but I'm not like at the edge of my seat, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think Golden Child will probably be really good because I feel like we liked their last comeback. If I remember correctly, when we did- the, I mean, if you say that, so. 
when, yeah, remember they had that like zombie video MV and like oh, the love story. Okay. Yeah, and I I have seen a lot of people on Twitter and stuff like that talk about how their music has gotten like it's, it's it is increasing in quality. So I'm hoping that it is. You know, I'm excited for yeah, what for sure. is to come. So yeah, that is it for comebacks and debuts. We will get into the topics. Ooh, we should. You know what? We should do like a um. <laughs> like a, a music transition or like a not a music but a, like you know the soundboards yeah. where people have like little sounds that they play i don't know i like those <laughs> I, I would love to put like a foghorn I, like, I, mean, I don't know how to make the sound but you know you know what i mean when i say a foghorn yes. <laughs> yes. that that should come right here because like let's get into topics yes. yeah, but yeah all right so the first topic that we're going to discuss is NBC is in hot water for xenophobic um, behavior during the, the Olympics that's going on in Japan. I mean, if you don't know now, you know. And Not just also, saying the Olympics that's going on in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> is there another Olympics? Well, I'm just saying, like, that's what I said. If you don't know, now you know. Because um, okay. some people have compl are completely disconnected from a lot of these things, right? So, so basically, they are in hot water for xenophobia and also for being poor sports which is kind of crazy because humbleness you know is like a benchmark of korean culture like mm -hmm. <laughs> so being poor sports is very western of them i guess uh but oh uh, sure yes yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I hate to, I hate to take, I hate to, you know what I hate to do, right? What? I hate to take their flaws and blame it on other people. That's true. That's very true. But you know, it's, it's, they made the choice. NBC did make the choice. Yes. I mean, you've read, you read the stories. We've seen it. Like they actually had to put out like a full English apology and put it on their main page. Girl, well. imagine, imagine like NBC is like, abc here no yep. okay it might not be now, it, it might not be that big because abc is owned by disney which is like the the mouse runs the world honey imagine like out of cnn putting out like an a korean apology <laughs> like offending so many people like that that's, yeah it's kind of funny honestly. but also too like it it just shows like the type of of xenophobia the stuff and that they can get away with and and the things that they think are okay because like yes. you use salmon for norway and pizza for italy but like rioters for haiti right mm, hmm. you know yeah. and then also too like talking about chile they use like the image of the roots of santiago de composte which is a network of four christian pilgrimages in northern spain so it's not even in chile you know oh, like it's just yeah it's like in spain and then also too they use an image of the atlantic ocean instead of the Pacific for micronesia um, which is a tiny island, uh, a tiny country consisting of 20, 2,100 islands in, in the, the Western Pacific. Pacific Ocean. Yeah, right. I mean, what? And they, like they, the girl. They, <laughs> <laughs> no, like, they called Iran the center of Islam and Australia as the heartland of Oceania. What? What do these words even mean to them? When they talked about the Republic of the Marshall Islands, they said it was a nuclear test site for the United States. That's the Girl, information. <laughs> they don't they don't say this is SpongeBob. They said this place is where SpongeBob lives. Girl, they I use Bitcoin for El Salvador. <laughs> like, do what? they? What? Do they not have any cultural awareness at NBC? Like 
But here's the thing, what, right? What is happening that a network can do this during the world's biggest stage, which is the Olympics? What happened? Like, what is happening there that they can feel comfortable with these sorts of things? And like, honestly, what's I feel like what what's interesting to me is like they've been in trouble before for like yeah, stuff yeah. like this. <laughs> Like the and they and it's usually against African countries. No, no surprise there. No shock no, there. None. And, and I think where they messed up and where they've offended the the uh, others is when they use the Chernobyl yeah. picture for Ukraine. For the Ukraine. Um, you know what well, we always say? Like you, you don't like if you really want to mess up, you gotta offend people. Basically, let's be real: people who are not black, because that's yeah. when people will start to care. Yeah. And. I don't even, and, and I'm not saying that one way or the other, if it's, I think it's abhorrent, all the things that they did, but Absolutely. like, why Chernobyl? Like what? Could you, you, could you imagine them using, okay, another famous, very famous nuclear incident? Yeah, <laughs> like Japan, an Asian Japan country? And they show like the bombing of Hiroshima or whatever. Like, yeah, that's exactly what you want to do. It's, you know what? what? When Korea, when Korea comes up, let's show a picture of bathrooms. Because that's not a safe place for women. So right. why don't we use that? Why don't we put up a, a bottle of soju since alcohol culture is so huge in Korea? You know, like the thing is, this ties directly into K-pop because everybody has so many excuses for K-pop idols when they fuck up. And like you have their biggest, basically one of their biggest broadcasting networks who, who has the license for Olympics. Cause I'm sure like, in every country, it's only one network. One, one country, network yeah, that has, that has it. it. So they won this contract, and they went and they decided that they would show, you know, Chernobyl. They would show. Uh, they would not the research things. They would not, yeah. and they wouldn't research things at all. So it's kind of like at a point where it's like, okay, so Korea has the fastest internet, you know, but we're seeing evidence that they are, are human and they fuck up just like everybody else. And they are also a part of the misinformation, a part of, you know, media, dangerous media that pushes stereotypes, pushes misinformation, pushes, um, you know, agendas in a lot of ways. Exactly. Like, why would you show rioters for Haiti? Like, why would you do that? And right, if you right, you're have pushing an agenda, an agenda there. And, and I feel agenda, like, yeah. I'd like to add on to what you're saying. And when you, you touched on something really interesting about like them being human, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's really a really interesting point because I feel like half of their issues wouldn't be as accentuated when it comes to like, because people, you know, say what you want about in the Western world, the different countries, England, yeah. Australia, America, Canada, say what you want. But I think one thing about these places, especially speaking from a U.S. perspective, because that's where I'm from, one thing about these places is like, I don't think there's this pretense that everything is perfect and everyone is perfect all the no. time, right? No. I think every, I think, in fact, we're very open about the bad things going on. We're very open about, Americans are not afraid to criticize their government. Uh, we're very open about all the time all the time, all the time. <laughs> literally we literally sit here and just trash our government all the time and yeah. and there's and and the weird thing is is like korea is also a republic it's also a democratic country supposed to be allegedly right yeah. and it just feels like there is this level of like non-criticism that i see from specifically the most popular korean people 
and that are that are the most global right and i'm not saying specific groups or specific people right i'm just saying in general like when when you think of korea these days in 2021 especially honestly what korea wants you to think when you think yes. of korea is k-pop yes. let's be real it's what they want you to think of because yeah. that's the perfect face and i think it's interesting because these people and, and i've been comparing them to to what's going on in thailand right now which is the whole of the conversation but these these celebrities these k-pop people they don't speak out about anything that's wrong in their country like this nbc thing is something i would think would be really huge news that apparently you know people are there i've i've read articles where a lot of people like netizens say you know this is not representative of korea this is not what koreans think this is just one you know country and they're criticizing nbc but i i feel like that should extend to celebrities as well like celebrities over here you know they will criticize we could we For talk about worse. Uh, yes <laughs> right we, yeah we talk about disney and we call it the mouse honey we criticize like how big fox news you know we criticize when people mess up and i just think it's very strange that like the most popular faces the so-called quote-unquote faces of south korea don't do that even to like okay let's talk about the olympics right our yes. olympians right we had olympians who were like I'm not going to be in the Olympics because I don't want to be a part of the, the COVID problem. I'm not going to participate, you know, or speak out against what's going on here at home. Specifically, we can think of black Olympians like LeBron James, Serena Williams, who's spoken about, about stuff like Black Lives Matter and how that ties into the Olympics. Right. Yeah. Naomi Osaka. But I feel like you would never really get the same thing from Korean Olympians to that level. I'm not saying they have to, that's not, that's their personal choice, but I think there is this culture of perfection that, and, and this image of perfection that Korea wants to put out and they do it through their celebrities. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that anytime that something happens, whether it's the truth or not, it's better to not discuss it if it could give people bad impressions. And I exactly. think that is like, that is so Which dangerous. Which is what Chris Wu is doing right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. that is so dangerous because a lot of the times, like a lot of the problems that like we have even reported, is, especially have, have to do with like misogyny and things like that in Korea, you know, people don't want to talk about. People don't like, and these are celebrities who, you know, like Taeyeon almost got dragged off the stage by um, by a fan, but she, never, she yeah. would never speak out ab about something like that happening to her or, or, or the potential of it happening to other people, right? But I think that's why it was like such a big deal when Sistar were um, on that, I think variety, I know it was Idol Radio or whatever they were on. And somebody had asked them like, so what is what would you tell, you know, young idols, like female idols in the industry, um, you know, from your experience? And like they're the girls were just like, stay home, don't go out, mm -hmm. don't don't mingle with other idols, don't do any of that stuff, just stay home and safer. And like that, like that's a big deal. And that's not something that people talk about enough, right? Even what's her name, Yenny from Wonder Girls. She is, she's, I think she became like the face of um, a task force committee against sexual violence. And she's going to be active as one of the committee members who will discuss and propose policies and systems to respond to sexual violence to the Ministry of Justice. And that's not something that idols do. Like, that's not something they even speak out about, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's better here or worse. I don't, right. like, I, I, it's, it's, it's all down to individual perspective at the end of the day. Right. But I would rather have the freedom to say, speak out against, you know, corrupt government and, and feel that I can do that than not, you know?
Right. So. And, 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 and that, and I feel like that is, would be the case. We could be talking about Korea. We could be talking about Melanesia. We could be talking about Mars. It, right? <laughs> that, that's what it comes down to. Right. It's not, it's not about it being Korea. It's just in general, right? The Shire. <laughs> um, but I, yeah. I think that this like really segues perfectly into the next topic with SME yeah. and how SME is actually Finally. using their platform in a way that is unconventional. <laughs> so like, tell us about it. Tell us a little bit about it. So it's kind of insane that they are like saying that they will quote no longer turn a blind eye to bad. <laughs> that was the funniest part. The <laughs> like, no longer wait, part. I was like, what? wait, so all this time you've been turning a blind eye. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I guess if you want everything to appear perfect, you would turn a blind eye to your stalker fans. Yeah. Well, and also you want their money. So their money, I mean, right. You know that Saysang's need, like there's a reason that there's like a balance, you know, with Saysang's and and these idols and um you know exo exo members as a cohesive have been very open about like what they do not want from their fans they don't want you rooting around in their underwear um drawers they don't want you ch trying to chase them off like the roads they don't want you doing a lot of things i've literally seen like jackson literally get mad at a fan because he thought she leaked her his phone number you know like these I, I I really do appreciate it when fans once are when celebrities or idols draw a line in the sand with their fans and don't allow the company to use say sayings, you know, to basically fill their pockets, which is what SME is saying that they're not gonna do anymore. Um, so basically, you know, like home break-ins, car accidents, sometimes attempted murder has occurred from these say sayings, and most companies allow it. But SME, for whatever reason, has has like decided in 2021 that it's not going to be allowed and they are going to take action against invasive behavior, including those who follow artists excessively in taxis, pursue them to their home or when they do their compulsory military service in South Korea. I think that might be the more more on the nose about it because I have noticed that people got really weird when Taemin went to the army. It reminded me of when GD went to the army because like... I've said this before, but there was that really weird fan who would literally write on Insta write to his girlfriend um, through Instagram, literally a daily schedule of what GD did in the army. Yeah. And I've seen yeah. and I've seen so many pictures and fan accounts, like not people that I follow, thankfully, but just like, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll be like looking up Taman or whatever and I'll see some information and I'm like, how do you know this? Like, what's he's honestly army. like Right. I, I yeah. avoid a lot of those types of updates because they almost always come from like a very sketchy place in mm -hmm. a place of like just straight up invading people's privacy. I and I exactly it. And I feel like this is a really interesting conversation to apply to the military in general. But I feel like the idea of like now they're putting a cap on it. I wonder. OK, I wonder how much of this is also like, OK, let's think about this for a second. Right. Mm -hmm. K-pop is almost entirely built on the backbone of creating obsessive like fans to the point where some fans become these saucings, right? Mm -hmm. I wonder like is K-pop has feel does it not to us, right? Because to me, this is not the case. But I wonder if CEOs have this idea that K-pop is reaching a place where it's like can be sustained without that type of fanatical behavior. Because I, I think yeah, I, yeah, like personally, I don't think it's there, right? I just don't, it's at least in the West, right? I can't mm -hmm. say that I think people 
I think without fans, a lot of K-pop groups will not make it in the West, right? That's just the, <laughs> oh the reality of it. Oh, um, but I wonder if these, these CEOs think that there's something different going on or if they see something we don't. For example, I know like SM is really trying to push this idea of like group ownership of things and like push this idea like we talked about, like the prosumer in our, our episode a couple weeks ago. And they're yeah. pushing this like concept of like, Instead of it, it, it extends, I think it, it creates a don't get me wrong, there's still the fandom aspect, but I feel like it's extending to be a little bit more casual because instead of like one person having a monopoly on all of the content, which is usually the Sasang who is the person showing up at the concert with the giant camera, right? Yeah, the, there's like fans who are all able to contribute to content in different ways, and it democratizes that process in a way. And maybe I'm reading too deeply into it. I probably am and over intellectualizing it. But I wonder if there's just this idea that like we can create a more sustainable system for K-pop that's not just based on one, a couple, a small group of people spending a lot of money and instead based on a larger pool of people spending little bits of money. Yeah, no, I actually do believe that is also there because I think that with, with what SME Congress 2021 sort of leaned into for me personally was more of a curated fan experience. Like even though the fans, you know, had the more freedoms of what they could do, it was still basically at the whims of SME, you know, like even with their um, AI hotel that they want to do, it's like still in this structure that they own, right? So it's like, right. we are going to give you closer interactions with your idols, but it has to be within our walls. And I think that, right. that falls in line with these laws because South Korea recently also enacted a law that increases the punishment for stalking, which comes mm -hmm. into effect on October 21st. So basically um, with the statement, SME is like referring to this law specifically as something that they're going to be using against these people. But it's interesting to note um, that they don't actually mention Saysang in their, um, like when they're talking about these invasive fans, they don't actually label them as Saysangs. So that's actually okay. very interesting. Yeah. Well, you know what else is kind of interesting now that like we're kind of into that conversation is like, I wonder too if it was a situation where the reason why they didn't crack down on hard, as hard on it before is because there wasn't the legal infrastructure. Because yeah. once you get that legal infrastructure, all of a sudden litigating these types of cases becomes more of a sure thing for you. It The money you spend on it is gonna make more sense because you're more likely to win it, right? Because there's a law in your favor. Yeah. So I, I that that's an element of it as well. And I do think, like you said, it is interesting that they don't explicitly mention Sasangs, but I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I don't I don't think it's because they still want the Sasang. I mean, I think, yeah, they still want the Sasang money, I don't think it's as big of an issue. Like okay. it's not as big of an issue to me. But yeah. I do, I do love that they are going to be harder on it. I wish they had always have been. Yes. <laughs> kind of weird. Like I said, the no longer part is kind of weird. But speaking of companies who are supporting their idols, so to speak, let's talk about a company that's not or hasn't allegedly supported their idol or trainee. Yes. Uh, What's going on with JYP? So, I mean, there's so many things going on with JYP. Did you see yes. that they have already like 20,000 pre-orders for the group that they're debuting next year that doesn't have an album, a doesn't name? have a concept, doesn't have a name, nothing. But uh, is it 20,000 or 60,000? It's a lot, though. They have That's a, a huge difference in that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. You know what? Because I, I was thinking like 20,000 was kind of low. You know, like yeah. I think that, that's what I was kind of thinking. 
Um, but it was sorry, it is sixty thousand. I just looked it up, so it is sixty. Yeah, that's 000. ridiculous. Most people can't even sell that after they like announce the album and the concept of album and everything. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like it's just another example of why people don't look at K-pop as real music because it's not like people support their favorite. They don't support good music or quality right. music. So, you know, there's that. But anyways, back to the actual topic. <laughs> so um X JYP trainee Killian says he was kicked out of the group for being gay. So Killian was a JYP trainee and he was kicked out of the company because according to him, he was caught being in a gay relationship at the time. And so he was dating a fellow JYP male trainee and basically the company didn't want to take, he, according to him, the company didn't want to take the risk of having a gay idol and so they decided that it would be best if he left and then unfortunately it got worse um because he he went to a new agency it didn't work out okay yeah look yeah. Hold on. before we talk about how it got worse because yeah. the worst part is going to be the the part the that you know yeah. so i i, I kind of want to talk on this kind of i mean yes. this is already bad but i want to yeah. kind of talk about this lower level of yeah. it part i don't want to call it lower level because i don't want to invalidate any experience but like when you hear the other part, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. So just to kind of talk about JYP kicking this this kid out, this guy out, not kid, he's 30, um, yeah. this guy out for being gay. First and foremost, I 100% believe it. I have no reason to not believe this. This just makes sense to me. Yeah. But secondly, I find this interesting for the re very reason that I find it improbable that every idol is straight. It just oh. doesn't make any sense. Statistically, it doesn't. Statistically, it doesn't add up. You got a group of 23 dudes, not one is gay? Come on. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> or at the very least, a little bit bisexual. Like, come on now. Like, yeah, right? Ain't nobody stupid up in here. But I, I want to say that, like, really think it's weird that, that this is the move that you would make as a company because... Yeah. There's a pot like we, we the whole point of me mentioning him, you know, the probability that of any idol being gay. I mentioned that because if this is your reasoning, right? Yeah. Not I, I'm going to comment on the reasoning in a second. But if this is your reasoning, this is idiotic at best, because just because he's out or just because he is in a relationship that he got caught in doesn't mean that every other idol is magically straight. Oh, every other idol who is probably like, if there's an idol who's gay, they're just hiding it really well. Like you take a risk, no matter what you do of debuting a gay idol, because you can't, there's no way you can prove or disprove this. Like exactly. That's just idiotic reasoning. So a bit from a business perspective, that is already just ignorant to me, especially considering the fact that like, it's I, I hate to say it this way, but it's like not that I don't think anybody should ever be forced inside of a closet. But yeah. I think if a person is not out, you don't have you're not taking a risk anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Like that doesn't make any sense. I, I highly doubt Killian was going to just take that risk himself because it's such a he even mentioned in the article, if I'm not mistaken, that like he is now just now coming out. Right. So it's like the, ruining his his chance at a career over like something that wasn't even i don't know just something that is just it's just inconsistent to me i don't see how you can enforce that but secondly how are we kicking people out for just being gay like just existing and living like what <laughs> like i i think because and, and people can say you're coming from a western perspective or you're coming from a perspective of a person you know who may be able to understand what's going on but for me that's not really what's coming from it's just coming from like 
a straight up like human perspective. You cannot kick somebody out of like basically this is this is literally classic workplace discrimination. And I don't know what it looks like the legal landscape in South Korea, but I know that here you can't just fire. Well, okay. Some states you can, but most yeah. states you can't just fire somebody because they're gay. You have to actually have a reason. Yes. So like, I, I think that's the most baffling part of it all is like you're firing someone for their, like for who they are, like literally how they are born. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Th that is just insane to me that you can do, do something like that and like basically get away with it. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of people have made sort of comments about how, like along the lines of what you're saying too, but also too with Joe Kwan from 2AM who has, you know, we don't know what he identifies with or his, his you know, sexual orientation or anything like that. But, you know, he has very much been allowed to sort of be himself, whether that's in high yes. heels or not. And yes, you know, they did have him do the whole, we got married with Gain, Gain and like, you know, from, um, <laughs> brown eyed girls, brown eyed girls. That's who it is. I was girls, like, okay. I don't know why the name wouldn't come to me, but yes. Um, so they did have him sort of, you know, flirting with her, I guess, in that because they did the the show We Got Married. But like, everybody has, you know, kind of understood that Joe Kwan is Joe Kwan. You know, at, at the end of the day, I, I want to make a, a distinction here too, though, yeah. like because even like we obviously he's not said anything about his sexuality he's not said yes. anything about his gender identity the fact yeah. is he's still very much acting in line with with like going against gender like norms, uh, norms right so yeah, that in itself norms, yeah. so that's to me that's like a lot more concrete and a lot more okay to kind of address just because yes. it's like real a real thing we can cling to and yes. and i agree with what you're saying in that same context of like him define gender norms right yes and it, that's that's kind of like what i mean with like this killian person because it's like i don't know why people assume that if you're gay you have to like come up like if you're a, a male who's gay you know or male identified and you're gay you have to come out the gate with like you know heels and the dress and lipstick or something like that i don't know what they were expecting i don't know what they were so afraid of you know, like when it yeah, came to that him, is interesting. like, like I'm, I'm kind of confused because it's like idols date, right? Like regardless of right. what they, what their gender, sorry, their um, sexual orientation is, they date, they smart idols just date in secret. Right. Well, so well it, it's because well, I just want to say this because yeah. I, I think I knew where you were going. Yeah, I think I did. And I wanted to say that. I think it's just the idea, the fantasy. It breaks the fantasy for the presumably young female fans his group would have been targeted at because it would have been like, okay, I can't get with him because he's gay, so I'm not going to stand him. But to me, that's kind of stupid logic because one thing I've learned about fandoms is they love... Boy okay, boy okay. right. So, okay, I want to I want to distinguish this too, though, because mm -hmm. there is the element of like, they only love it if it's not really real that i think that that is they like the phenomenon control. that happens they like, yeah, they the like to control yeah because they like to be like okay i want him to be with a guy but only this specific guy right but i think i think what i'm getting at here is like there is a a room at the table a seat at the table not saying it's a good seat at the table not saying it should exist but there is there are people a large loud vocal group of people who 
would support this for better or for worse, right? Yeah. So there's people who genuinely support, like, who are allies. And then there's people who are also LGBTQ plus themselves. But then there's also, like, a group of people who are in that weird space who just would support it because at least he's not dating a girl. Yes. So, and I'm not saying that's right. I don't think that's right at all. But I'm just saying that, like, it's kind of a weird move on JYP's part because it's like, even if he did let it slip and even if he did... I did, which I doubt he would just because he's a celebrity celebrities control their image. Yeah. If, even if he did, it's like, what is the worst things that could happen would happen to him directly. And it wouldn't affect JYP. If you know what I mean, if there was backlash, it would be backlash towards him. Yeah. Not saying that that would have been a good thing, but just like, I, I want to make it very clear when I'm saying all of this is like, I'm not advocating for any of this. I'm just trying to understand why JYP thought that this was the best idea. Like JYP yes. entertainment thought that this was the best route. Cause I thought, I think it's BS. I don't think this kid should, this guy should either be fetishized or um, whatever would have come with him staying. Right. I just think that JYP entertainment took away his opportunity without even having the slightest idea of what would have actually happened. Right. In reality. Yeah. I think that they like, as I said, I just don't understand what the logic was because regardless of what he wants to date or if he, if he even wants to date or who he wants to date, like, like as an idol, the whole idea of the fantasy is what matters for the fans. So like right. he could be banging, you know, 12 girls and some camels. Like, I mean, it really doesn't matter to a lot of people because they are really in it for the fantasy. And it's that's, just, and you can yeah. create that fantasy. I hate to yeah. say it this way because you shouldn't have to. But yes. if you want it to, and there are people who do want to, you can create that fantasy as a gay male. You can. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, let's be real. Like we said, it's statistically unlikely that all of these male idols are straight. So I'm sure a lot of them are currently actively creating that fantasy. And you can be out and gay and create that fantasy. You you yeah. can. You There are, in fact, there are a lot of straight people who create fantasies that they you know on the other direction queer baiting not saying is a it's thing. right yeah but yeah queer baiting is a thing for a reason right so yeah. it's like i just don't understand the logic i don't agree with it at all no. and i also don't understand the logic but yeah. what's and the second part of this <laughs> so it does get worse unfortunately so he yeah. uh, basically a jyp makeup artist connected him with another korean company so he basically was like training at like five different companies or something like that before he left to go back to Hong Kong, where he was basically under house arrest, and they wanted him to get testosterone injections, allegedly, and he was supposed to be in a movie with Fan Bing Bing, which was would have been huge, because she was like, you know, top tier at the time, but then she had her scandal, so then basically he just went to the Taiwanese armed military, fine, and when he tried to return, he was exploited by an unscrupulous boss, and I'm not going to go into it, but it was very dark and thankfully he was able to you know get out before um anything that could not be undone was done and and it was also this person could manipulate him into getting a role in some film which yeah it, it yeah. was basically a quid pro quo situation yes yes and, and killian was not aware of the quid pro quo well, until like he got there and right. he got into an altercation with this person. So um, right now, you know, he is out. He is telling his truth and he's just trying to build his career. And we support you, Killian. And hopefully we'll hear more about you in the future doing good things and big things. I think that um, it is unfortunate that the whole like queer baiting thing is 
has opened like a lot of doors for like that type of content in a lot of these countries because women are consuming a lot of, you know, like the untamed and like um, a lot of boy love content. And I'm and not saying romance. that it's, yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that it's great representation. I'm, I would not be the person to say, to be able to identify that, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that like the only positive I can take from it is that it is opening the doors and maybe opening some minds. So hopefully that will allow Killian to really be able to build a career. Um, and I think if he knows Korean and he knows Chinese, you know, um, and presumably if he is from Hong Kong or Taiwan, he might, he might even know some English. Hopefully he can, he, he'd be like an international star and he'll be able to work over here and stuff too. So. Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Come to America, Killian. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Um, you got some fans like, here. So. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, one more. I have one more thing on this topic. Yeah, yeah. I'll just say yeah. this. Um, I do think this, sparks a really interesting conversation about how lgbtq plus people are exploited in, it, in the entertainment industry Absolutely. Um, but that's a different conversation but i do think that that's something to marinate on and to think about and i think that's something we could talk about maybe we should we should talk about this so. on patreon or something yeah that'll be that'll be interesting but yes okay moving on so kamka kamka <laughs> so Comcast stands for the Creative Music Copyright Association. So basically they are saying Twitter, you need to pay um, music copyright fees because music is being used on your platform, you know, in these video playbacks. And so basically they're going to proceed with actions to block this from happening. They're very strict about it because um, other platforms like Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, they do pay copyright fees, but tw Twitter does not. And a lot of people on Twitter are just like, but this is how we discover a lot of the music that you guys, we then later Honestly, for, so. <laughs> there's, a, there's a song. <laughs> I, I've recently discovered a song. I discovered two songs from Twitter. Yeah. Um, they're both, one of them is a Thai song and one of them is like a, an English song, an American song from yeah. like this girl. It was like on um, a movie soundtrack. So like, I, I get that. I've discovered music from Twitter. So I, I personally think that this is a bad move. Yes. On Comcast's um, end of the stick. Like, I don't think Twitter pays for, like, if Twitter doesn't pay Comcast, I doubt they're paying, out here paying ASCAP. You know no, what I mean? Like, not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Because they know that Twitter is basically, like, I mean, obviously TikTok is, like, still, like, it's really popular and stuff like that. But TikTok takes a lot of work if you want to, you know, be an influencer and things like that. Whereas Twitter, it's not hard to get a lot of Twitter followers now. So it's like a lot of cases, you know, um, and Twitter is also a place to congregate for a lot, a lot of these fan sites. A lot of these, um, these uh, crowdsource, you know, things, you know, that they do. Um, I mean, look how many people put K-pop videos at the bottom of random ass tweets. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 like built into the culture of Twitter, you know, to have some random ass song playing, you know, in, in a fan vid for your favorite idol or, you know, as a meme, you know, so like I don't I also think it's a very, very poor and bad decision. I, I don't know if Kampa thinks that they because, you know, BTS is so big, maybe. And Girl, uh, that's totally what they're thinking. They totally yeah. have this like I feel like <laughs> I know we've just been kind of like thrashing south korea this episode but i feel like a lot of korean institutions are starting to overestimate just like the the impact of of k-pop in general but like especially bts 
And I'm not saying they don't have impact. They clearly do, right? It's obvious. But yeah. I think that they think that it's more commonplace than it is in other parts of the world. I think that there's definitely, like, even in places, like, I know we always talk about Southeast Asia and South America being huge markets for K-pop, but, like, mm. Even in those places, K-pop is still a subculture. Like it's not, yeah. it's it's not a dominant, it's not even a dominant culture in its own country, which we talk about, you know, on our podcast. But yeah, I I just think that it's overestimating the leverage in, that it has. I, I just feel like people are going to find ways. Like no Absolutely. matter, <laughs> Absolutely. this is just this is gonna make yeah, it's gonna make it harder. But it's like I don't know that Twitter is who you want to target with this. Like if you wanted to target like a lesser social media app, like they could probably do this with Tumblr and yeah. get away with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because what, what's Tumblr going to do? Like, they, <laughs> they have no leverage. But yeah. Twitter has all the leverage. Twitter is literally the place where fandom happens. When we talk about fandom and we talk about the crazy things going on in, in that culture, we talk about Stan Twitter. We don't yeah. talk about Stan... Facebook. The home of fandom is Twitter. And so if you want fandom to continue to cultivate these things, and honestly... I think Twitter is where SME saw their idea of the prosumer and their idea of like yep. this like collective fandom. They saw that really, really with Twitter. And I think you have stuff like Weverse, yeah, but like who's using Weverse besides the diehard armies? Like there's not, I, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'd rather use like Twitter. It's already there. there. Like carrots are on there too and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, but the people who are actively using Weverse, yeah. I just, I feel like if carrots want to connect more with them, like, I don't know, maybe it's changed since the yeah. last time I really went on that side of the internet. But I feel like if we really want to like connect with these people, we go to V Live, we go to Twitter, we go to like uh, YouTube Live because I more and more idols are getting YouTube pages. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Instagram is a big place that we go to still. Slide so I feel like, <laughs> right. I feel like it's not a lot of these places that are made specifically for artists that are made by these companies like Weverse. People are just not people go there. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people, especially fandom, but it's mostly fandom. Think about it this way, Nat. If you are a quote unquote local and yeah. you are just looking for new music, are you going to download an app you've basically never heard of outside of one fandom? To no. look for that new music and, and source it, quote unquote, that way, where they have a, a, the appropriate licenses and everything? Or are you just going to, like, randomly come across it on the Twitter viral tweets recommend it's, recommendations? Yeah, like, it's, it's like what's trending, like what, you know, as I said, a lot of people put songs and stuff under random ass tweets. You know, you click on something, you discover a person, you're like, oh, who, does, who is this? And what is the song? And then you look it up and then you become a fan. So that's how it happens on Twitter. It's actually kind of organic but not quite uh <laughs> but to wrap that up we both think this is not a great idea like we don't i mean i personally just don't think that yeah they have the just because bts is huge and they're always trending doesn't mean that twitter needs them people literally get the news from um twitter and it has nothing to do with k-pop so i you know like there's so many bigger things going on on twitter you know revolutionary things in some ways and it's mm -hmm. completely outside of K-pop. A lot of people don't go to K Twitter for K-pop. Um, and I mean, I think, as you said, people are going to find a way out. Like, they'll link back to YouTube. They'll link to TikTok. They'll link to Instagram. Someone will, like, get a, a, a plug-in or some shit. I don't know. That makes that you can makes you go around whatever ComCloud tries to do on Twitter. 
you know, if if Twitter does sort of comply. So I, there's so many things that can be done. People right. are smart like and computer savvy. So. <laughs> right. Moral of the story, Comka, you don't have the leverage of like a, a Disney or like, you know, a Netflix to be able to, you know how Disney and Netflix, they can pull their stuff off the internet because these, these companies have massive properties that are like literally billions of dollars every single, like, I, I don't even, they have so much more at stake if they yeah. lose these other places that Twitter is not thinking about. I mean, they might give some consideration. I just don't see them like bending on this. They're yeah. either not going to continue to not pay for stuff or they're just going to be like, okay, it's not, it can't be allowed on our platform. Like they're not, I don't see them bending or they'll find a way to cheap out of the deal. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. speaking of, I guess, getting news from Twitter, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm really trying here. I'm reaching for this connection, girl. But we do be getting our news about coronavirus from Twitter sometimes. So what's yeah. going on with idols and COVID? Basically, idols just be catching that. And here's the thing: I actually started to suspect that Corona was wrong, like was really rearing its head again in Korea when I saw that 2PM had been performing on some like radio show and nobody took off their mask. Even when they were performing, they were wearing their mask. I was like, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. 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 Cause I was like, why? Like, cause I had seen everybody had taken off their mask to perform at least. Right. Um, and right. they put it back on, you know, to, to, to hop on the mic or whatever. They were literally standing up singing and they all had their masks on. So I was like, okay, so that what that means and signifies to me is that Corona is is more serious than they're letting on. And so now we know that um, two members of Treasure, Doyoung and Jungkwan, and then BTOB's Munhyuk um, tested positive last week. They're not like the only people who have had it um, recently, but... Noir's Kim uh, Minhyuk tested positive. And then we had like people from Inf Infinite's Sung Q, actually, which was serious because like he was literally in the middle of filming something and they literally, they downgraded his position, like his, his role. And they were like, okay, so you, because you have to quarantine and we still want to film, we're going to take you off of leading status and we're just, but we still want you to come back and, you know, film some stuff, but you're just not going to be a lead, the lead in this anymore. And then like, G Idols Mini and then you know other groups were affected by like they didn't have positive members but they were affected by positive rates so like Brave Girl 17 Omega X Luna like a lot of these groups had to like change and rearrange their schedule because of it and actually I had put out a tweet on Twitter saying like if there's anything that anybody wanted to talk about and Liz had sent a um, Reddit link actually saying that K-pop fans demand boycott of RBW um, because of their U.S. concert needing to get rescheduled also because of what's going on with K-pop and, and the coronavirus increase that we're seeing. And there was like a really weird, um, like um, you said that it was basically affecting most youth. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's growing. So obviously, I feel like for obvious reasons, it's growing amongst the youth. I mean, that should yeah. be, I feel like first and foremost, all across the world, that's where you see the most growth. It's yeah. like even here, it's like older people are largely vaccinated here. Yes. And then in some countries, you can't get vaccinated if you're under a yeah. certain age. Like you just cannot get the vaccine. But also yeah. I find that the youth are also, they tend to 
youth tends to go hand in hand with like not taking things seriously as well. And I think a lot of younger people aren't taking it as seriously. Um, but yeah, it, the, the incidence uh, of COVID in the youth in South Korea is where you see the highest incidence. And so, I mean, it's not shocking, but no. at the same time, it's, it's kind of horrible. I've, yeah. oh, well, definitely horrible. Right. And I feel like the whole world is kind of going backwards into 2020 again. It's very strange. Like yes. everywhere in the world and largely because of this like Delta, Delta variant, variant, that's yeah. really, really the problem. I don't, I, th I don't think anybody would argue that like the other variants that have been basically mitigated by the vaccine, like those variants are not really the issues. It's the other variants and also the unvaccinated people Yes. Um, no, I'm not shaming anybody who's unvaccinated. I am shaming anti-vaxxers. There's a difference, right? Because mm -hmm. some people can't get vaccinated, right? And yeah. some people, like, for various reasons, whether it's because your government doesn't have enough, like, the situation in Thailand with them not having enough free vaccines, but we'll, we'll that's another conversation. Um, or if your government is just not allowing people under a certain age or what have yeah. you, there's various reasons to be unvaccinated. I will say that <laughs> in some countries, there's really almost no reason, but yeah. you know, um, I just feel like it's a sad situation to see the world kind of march backwards because of this Delta variant and, and just in general. But I just like to take this time to just urge people to, I know the CDC just said, uh, you know, came out again today and was like, put on your mask again, even but if you're you vaccinated. I think that's also one of the problems, like it's the misinformation, like the CDC early, earlier this year said, like, if you've been vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. Now, all of a sudden they're saying that you do need to wear a mask. See, for me, I yeah. don't look at that as misinformation. I look at that as science, right? Like we're currently living through a pandemic that we've never experienced before. So things are going to change. And I do think that there is some misinformation. Don't get me wrong. The CDC is not above reproach. Same thing with the World Health Organization, all these organizations. Yeah. Um, they all have done some pretty sketchy and at times abhorrent things. But I do think that there is something to be said about the scientific method and the way that it works. I also think there is something to be said about the fact that I don't think anybody could have predicted that the Delta variant would be this way. I think as that the idea as yeah. aggressive, right? I think the idea was like, okay, if you get vaccinated, then you don't have to wear a mask. But nobody thought, okay, well, the Delta variant is going to run through. It's going to just run through the world. I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that like we are in it. It, the situation has become even more unprecedented and has become to the point where like, I think predictions even a month before can be invalidated within a month, just because of how like things are going, especially with the way people are like, not actually, sometimes, sometimes the, the problem is people are not actually doing what they're supposed to do as well. So like, you can go into a situation thinking, okay, well, you can, everybody can just take off their mask if they're vaccinated, but Mm, you don't you're not gonna know until you try I guess so yes while I do agree and blame these health organizations because the CDC being one of them and, and the World Health Organization as well while I do agree with that I do think that we need to recognize that science is not perfect doctors are not perfect epidemiologists are not perfect unless there is clear evidence to me of of incompetence or straight up you know misleading the public like on purpose i don't i i hesitate to make put the blame on them as much especially when a lot of these cases governments are equally as responsible as the health organizations um and why hand in hand a lot right of the time. so yeah no right. i think that there's definitely like 
there's individual responsibility and that is also lacking in a lot of places. And I basically have been like, I need to do things this summer because last summer I did not do anything. And then we went into another lockdown and that lasted like eight months. So um, this year, this summer, I was like, I'm definitely going to go outside. I'm going to go to see a movie, you know, like I'm going to like go to patios and stuff like that because I assume we're going to be in another lockdown probably in the fall and winter. And I really don't want to have completely wasted this year. Like last year ended up being wasted, you know? And once again, it's like, you really have to like weigh individual responsibility and like the the rules and, and regulations and things like that that the government and you know their your health organizations are are putting forward you know with their education as well so right. it's right because there's it's, a little uh, common sense yeah i feel like there's a little common sense in this too like yeah. the pandemic didn't just magically end because it a couple not. of companies invented some vaccines that's not how yeah. it works people one the people have to get the vaccines, number one, which (laughs) largely is just not happening. But two, there's also the fact that there's other measures that are actually more effective than the vaccine at preventing this. Because like the vaccine is not about preventing the spread. It's more so just preventing you from From, being affected by it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, no. So like washing your hands, covering your mouth, wearing a mask, you know, like these are small things that you can do to protect yourselves and also protect the people around you. Like if you do right. have children at home, you don't have people with underlying conditions. Honestly, one of the memories of that, like before we move on, but one of the memories I have of the pandemic, like when it first started um, before the first lockdown was like, I went to bed at Bath and Body Works or Bath and Body Works, whatever. Literally all the hand sanitizer was gone. Like every, and I mean, I usually go in and I buy like, you know, five or six for 25 bucks, 20 bucks. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that you do. Cause I, I personally carry hand sanitizer with me everywhere. Um, I take Mm -hmm. public transit, you know, you never know when you need to just clean your hands and there's no sink, there's no soap, there's nothing around. It's just smart. Right. So I went in and there was none, but the soap, there was so much soap so much antibacterial soap at that and i was just like so people are still refusing to wash their hands i see and you know we found out recently that some celebrities don't believe in bathing themselves their kids their newborns you know (laughs) so it's it's, shout out to mila kunis and ashton kutcher for admitting to not bathing their newborns for being nasty, sorry. Or just, anti-shoutouts, yeah. we should yeah. say. <laughs> um, but gross. yes, um, so I do think that, you know, as you said, there's going to be a regression. And like with what Liz had asked, you know, or mentioned for us to discuss, like, you know, K-pop fans themselves are demanding that a boycott because one us are going, they're still apparently going forward with this U.S. tour. And it's like, this is not the time. But even Miyabi had announced a tour earlier a couple months ago so like a lot of people were are and kevin grant actually has a, a three-day tour in new york and so like there's a lot of people who are trying to i guess move ahead move back into like what normal used to be and it's like we're not really there like we haven't really stabilized i don't think um, right. enough to even really be able to justify going on an international tour Monster, right. Monster X also rescheduled their tour from this year to next year. I don't know. I was kind of just like, even when I saw the dates were in 2022, I was like, I think that's that's a bit optimistic. You know, you yeah. don't know where we're going to be. And K-pop doesn't know where it's going to be either. So, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we can 
sort of stabilize and get to a place where things, you know, you can still do things like concerts and whatever. Maybe it's definitely going to be different. <laughs> it's not going to be the same as it was, but maybe that's for the better. I think there were some things in the old world that, that we say old behind. world. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm talking honestly, like old world, like it's like the day after tomorrow, but you know. Right? <laughs> but on, honestly, you know what? This is my last note on this, but yes. I just want to say, I kind of think we should embrace the, the quote unquote new normal that people have been for like so. a year. I, I just think, think so. that like, I feel like society felt more efficient last year. <laughs> no, don't get me wrong. I I think we still, we need to work towards being able to go actually outside of our houses again. But yeah. I do think that like the idea of like normalizing wearing masks when, you know, really at any time, really. But, and also the idea of like normalizing good hygiene. The, like we talked about these concerts. Concerts, yeah, I do think need to, you know, there's an element to be experiencing them in person. Mm -hmm. But I think that like, there's something to be said for like, be more, being more creative and mm -hmm. as like an artist and as a company that represents artists, being more creative and trying to create revenue streams that are not entirely just dependent on like an in-person um, event, right? That, there's That's kind of forced creativity in the industry. And I'm interested to see what happens with it. And I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. I love a good concert, okay? Yeah. But I'm just saying that there are other things that can be done to still connect with your fans. And it just requires you to get creative. Yeah, I know. And I just wanted to say also to, you know, normalizing, you know, a lot of the disability-friendly changes that were yes. made during the pandemic because people couldn't leave their houses. So they they had to adapt. And a lot of the thing changes that were made are, are things that, you know, people with disabilities have been asking for for like generations. So I think that there were like that's one of those things where when people talk about going back to the old normal, whatever, it's like not a very free world in, in a lot of ways. It's not um, accessible for a lot of people. And I think the COVID has shown that it's easy. It's not super hard. It might cost a little bit of money up front, but it's not super hard to make your, you know, work environment more accessible, to make shopping more accessible. And so it's, it really is disappointing that people want to go back to a world which wasn't as accessible for, for people. Right. Who needed it. Yeah. So. All that free delivery we was getting. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, moving on to the final topic yeah. in this segment tell yeah. us a little bit about genderless fashion we've talked a little bit about this before on the, yes on the show, so. yeah so i thought it was actually really cool so actually i know like you know the article that we're kind of like referencing in some ways is like more about um jimin and also um like other artists who sort of bring about this idea of genderless fashion. But actually what had first sparked it was there was a not netizen buzz post about like men feeling comfortable, only feeling comfortable with parasols if GD, somebody like GD would use it outside, you know, to protect themselves from the sun because they just didn't feel comfortable enough or confident enough to do it unless somebody who I guess they look up to would. And I thought that was really fascinating one, because I thought that people still hated GD, but two, because, <laughs> <laughs> but two, the idea that like men, like, it, it's really funny because like, I know we joke like on Twitter and stuff like that. A lot of people joke like, oh, is it gay to like bake with your bake cookies with your friends and stuff like that. And a lot of men 
put forward this idea that they are jealous that women can do so much more specific types of things, um, softer things, maybe more quote unquote feminine things, uh, especially with their friends and things like that. But they can't because of quote unquote masculinity, right? And but so like it like, starts with you as a absolutely, man. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But like, so I thought it was actually really interesting that they were literally like this whole article was like, please, I'm begging you, DD start making parasols a thing like for men because <laughs> like wives are like my husband needs it he just gets roasted by the sun or men were just like i need it too i need to stay fair i guess and um i i think that if he he did it everybody would do it because it would be a trend right it's like then, you love the sentiment but you don't love the reasons behind it yeah exactly exactly <laughs> Exactly. But also too, like the article um, was all about him, Jimin from BTS making waves with a kilt and fur boots and talking also about like Exos Kai, Chinese Taemin um, and like this whole like gender fluid fashion. I felt that they kind of dropped the mark in some ways because I feel like one of the better representatives of this would be I, obviously Taemin, but also Key. I think Key has been more Key. outspoken, mm -hmm. Chinese Key, um, about it. Um, but I think what was interesting too was like they had also like Amber in the article. Um, so okay, yeah, <laughs> girl, I have too, so many thoughts about this okay. in so little time. Yeah. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to mention one. The first thing I want to say is like I think it's really weird that like all of a sudden everybody's talking about genderless fashion being a thing when Amber was doing it like years ago. Like, Absolutely. like it, like the first person who did it was a girl. But yeah. I guess when boys do it, like I, I get it that the that there is more of a unfortunately and ignorantly social stigma attached to femininity than there is masculinity yeah but i do think it's just i'm not gonna applaud a boy for doing something that a girl has always been doing I, i'm just not gonna do that i will say that it's super cool and it's something that we discussed i think last year or earlier this year when we had that conversation about yan june from two by two did an interview yes. and he was like i'd like to wear a skirt like i just would like to try it and not like try it in like a fetishy way but try it in like I just want to do that. That's just what I want to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is Gen Z culture, to be sure. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there's something to be said for just going back to Taman, for example, and even like Joe Kwan. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. we were talking we're about that earlier. Yeah. But like, Joe Kwan is a little bit more like where I think Joe Kwan is more so on the femme, like, end of the spectrum in terms of like um, how he does his fashion. Taman is definitely on the androgynous end. I think people yes. don't there's a difference right between yeah. genderless or androgynous and then like gender defying in the way that you're on the like the opposite in the spectrum right and i think that when we talk about the genderless fashion it is something that i feel is very unique to um like right now in this place and time i feel mm -hmm. like it's very unique to asian cultures i just don't see it a lot in outside of asia um, even now, I mean, it's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's growing more and more, but I still feel like it's something that like in the West, it's very much like an LGBTQ plus thing versus ah. like straight men who are gen like, you know, wearing genderless fashion. Right. Um, yes. it's just not as normalized or even things like makeup, which I think nail polish is more normalized now, thanks to Jaden. <laughs> but I, I think other things are just not as normalized. Right. Yeah. And I think um, I think this is a cool development and I think yeah. it's something interesting to note. And I, I want to talk about Tamin real quick and say that 
when Tamei came out with Move, the girls were shook. Okay, so like, <laughs> they so were, they were, they were. <laughs> there's something to be said for him incorporating it, not even just like in his style, but also like in his actual performance. Like, yes. not saying he's performing androgyny, but saying like, if you look at Tamei since Move, everything he's done has been like on that borderline of like he's doing choreography that's traditionally done like given to women right he's yeah. doing like the hair which he'd been doing since sherlock with the italian curly wet weave um, <laughs> you know he's doing makeup with like exaggerated eyeshadow that i've seen only other idols i've really seen do that is like bts jimin and then also bam, bam. here lately two by two has started doing that like mm -hmm. in one of their recent performances of um their new song zero by one love song they were all wearing this like really exaggerated blue eyeshadow and like black eyeshadow and mm -hmm. and and i think groups once upon a time were doing that but it wasn't yeah. gender bendy it was more so like goth yeah, and that was goth, during like the sure. 2010s <laughs> yeah it was yes. definitely it wasn't about it wasn't like you know, overtly feminine or anything like that. It was like goth, which is a, a subculture that's totally different, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, but what do you think of this? Or, in, or You know, just in general, I want to know more of your thoughts. I talked a lot. Oh, I I actually, like, I think it's cool. I, I love that people um, are feeling more free to discover themselves in, okay, in some places it is a little bit more re repressive and, you know, regressive, but... I do think that a lot of the younger people, I think in this article it mentions millennials and Gen Z, but like I think it's more Gen Z as well who are, you know, exploring just different parts of themselves and different parts of the world and they're more open to it, you know, and I I think it's cool. I think Move was just like wow. Like I think that would be like <laughs> the best way to describe it because I think that what Taman did like people don't give him enough, enough credit for. I think that people, I think that if he had dropped that maybe like five, 10 years before it, like it would have shook K-pop a lot more. But I think now because people in K-pop are more, I mean, I think fans are, are more likely to like their groups and what their groups produce than to like artists in general and artistry. So I think that like, that is why Move didn't do as well as it should have. But Move itself was honestly like from the music video, from the song, from, you know, the androgynous sort of nature of, of the choreography specifically, like it, it is kind of revolutionary in a lot of ways. Nobody else was doing it. No one else is doing it. And or, and or maybe doing... this is me being biased, but I yeah. feel like it was 100% revo revolutionary, yeah. especially in the way that so many of these fourth gen idols basically idolized Taman. like yeah he is there he is to them the same way that like i'm sure like tvx for example is to yeah TV, yeah or like yeah. yeah or like big bang was to third yes. gen right yes, yes like Taman is to fourth gen i think what big bang in many ways was to third gen and and in some ways they overlap too like there's some yeah. third gen idols i'm sure that like them and some big you know fourth gen idols are like the bang but either way the point is is like I think that like what he started uh, for boys, for men, right? Like, cause yeah. clearly I feel like with girls, you're just not gonna see it. I mean, it's just, it, it was literally to me from what I've seen, just Amber and it was cool with it. But I think that I don't, I think because of the culture in South Korea, I think, and, and the culture around K-pop and girl groups specifically, the fact that so many of their stands 
sometimes like, or a lot of the times I should say, are men, like adult men, yes. it's going to be a lot harder for girls to do what Amber did versus yes. a lot of boy group stands are girls and girls are to have shown that they are very comfortable with men who are a little bit more gender bendy. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, shoot, there's something I wanted to say, but I can't. Sorry. Remember. Oh, no, no, it's good. Right. I think I was, just, I was just gonna say that what we see now is like derivatives of Tame In and Move, which is more along the lines of what you said, right? About how they idolized him. And, you know, it's not that he's the one who created crop tops and shit like that. Like, I'm not saying right. that at all. I'm just saying that I feel like Tame In made it cool. Just like GD before him made, you know, nail polish and like, you know, tight clothing and like, you know, he, he, he wasn't, he was, I don't, I wouldn't say he's androgynous. I wouldn't think that he say that he's, yeah, he's not, but he, but he was so outrageous. You know? I think that's it. Yeah. yeah so you're yeah, touching on a yeah. really interesting like yeah. difference. That's yeah. like when people talk about quote unquote genderless fashion and when they talk yeah. about it in reference to K-pop, they don't touch on that difference a lot. Yes. GD, when I think of the style he created, it wasn't feminine to me. Like it, there no. was no point where I felt it was feminine or, or, or I felt it was bold and daring and new yes. and different. I yes. didn't think it was overtly like expressing something contrary that, no. you know what I mean? And no. there's nothing wrong with either one of those things. No, it's just no, no. that we got to recognize what different people for the different things they contributed. Right. Absolutely. So I totally agree with what you're saying. And I think that they go, they both go hand in hand in so yeah. many ways to create this new kind of era for not even just like K-pop. I feel like, what is happening in K-pop fashion specifically with boys is like kind of like trickling down to other areas of the entertainment industry because I've been seeing a lot more too in Thailand. You see like these actors, these wearing nail polish, like wearing, like doing things that, and, and, and it's not just K-pop boys that are doing that started this like i said no. jaden smith harry styles these guys are have been influential on the western end of things of but you just you do see it more and i think it's so cool and i think it's amazing that boys are like mm, and little nas x that's another one person yes you know like boys are like having role models who are like just don't care you know what i mean yeah. and i and think that is amazing i think too it's also sort of like trickling down to like older people. Cause I remember like last, last thing, um, I remember like <laughs> Bam Bam, when he had gotten nail polish, J JB was like, it was kind of weird, but I did it. And then I realized there was nothing really weird about it. It was just sort of like a mental, like a mental block, I guess, or like sort of like his own, I guess, masculine, I'm, I'm, he didn't say this, but I'm saying that I believe that it was more about, <laughs> you know, gender norms, like men mm -hmm. don't wear nail polish. So right. I think that somebody would see somebody like Bam Bam wearing nail polish and be like, that's kind of weird. And JB was literally like, that was kind of weird. And then he did and he realized there was nothing really weird about it. It was all in his head. Right. So I think right. it's also like, you know, these maknays and likes and like these young people are influencing older people on top of that like who also need to have their eyes open so it's it's good that you have people who you know are not really like holding a bullhorn like or or speakers you know and just like announcing what they want to do but just like subtly influencing people you know through their art and through their craft and through their image like i think that's really important so all um, right. Well, that wraps up our topics. Yeah. Um, now we can move into our brand new segment that we introduced uh, a couple weeks ago after our hiatus. <laughs> yes. Featured. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. So Nat, tell us who is our featured artist of the week of this episode, I should say. <laughs> so we are um, featuring Stacy. So Stacy is an acronym for Star to a Young Culture. And it is they are a South Korean girl group formed by High Up Entertainment. The group is composed of six members. There is Sumin, who is the leader. And to put it into perspective, she's born in 2001, people. So yeah, yeah we're a very young group. <laughs> right. Uh, we have the next member, Sion, who is the main vocalist. And we have Isa, who is the lead vocalist. We have Sion who is a vocalist, and we have Yoon, who is a lead vocalist, and we have Jay, who is the maknae and also the rapper. And I think what is very interesting about this group is there is only one rapper. That is... Well, there's a there's Wait. one member who raps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's clearly, when you watch their video, they there's, there's clearly one person who does most of the rapping. Yeah, yeah, but they also, they do take turns doing rapping and things like that. So I guess that's okay. Yeah. And also, I just remember too, Silent G Idol only has one rapper as well. So maybe it's not, maybe I'm thinking more about boy groups. Boy groups always have more than one rapper, whereas girls- Even groups, if they don't need it, like at all. You know, sometimes it's unnecessary, but- <laughs> Anyway, so Stacy debuted on November 12, 2020. So far, they've had two titles, and that would be So Bad, which is what they debuted with, and then ASAP, which came out this year. I also did check out some notable other performances that were really cool because it, it's clear that, you know, I'm not saying that they're like vocal powerhouses or anything like that, but they don't need autotune. You know, they they can actually hold notes properly and they're not shaky. They're not too, they're not badly pitched. Actually, I want to say too, that I really, really, really like that with Jay, the rapper, that they let her rap in her normal tone. And because she has That's like a huskier yeah. voice, like a very mm -hmm. husky voice. And I really love that they let her kind of be free to do that. I, really I don't know why enjoy. Jay reminds me of uh, Jisoo from um, Blackpink. She also reminds me of Sukjin from BTS because they all look alike. They all like could be siblings. Siblings. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I checked out the songs. I thought that So Bad, which was a song that we did check out last year, and I think we had really high praises for it, was really good. And ASAP is definitely worth all the hype. I have been hearing about the song nonstop this year. And... It is definitely worth the hype. I think my only problem, and I was telling Jimin about this earlier, is that once I stopped listening to their music, I kind of promptly forgot about it. So it didn't have the sticking power or the staying power that is necessary. But I am also willing to like put it on a playlist and see how that goes, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. songs catch you right away and then you completely forget about them, right? Like you mm -hmm. listen to them, you're like, like, oh, I love this song. And then like next month you're like, oh, I forgot about that song completely. So sometimes right. songs are growers and they are good songs. Like I'm not saying anything bad. Like the girls can, are, they came out of the gate in a way that I haven't seen since Everglow came out of the gate. Cause Everglow has never had a bad title. Everglow has always had really good singles. And I feel like Stacey's also sim similar to that. And like, they already came out of the gate ready prepared. I mean, I do miss how much of a mess a lot of groups used to be in the beginning. Like, you know, they had ugly phases, especially when talking about third gen groups, you know, the hair, the chains, 
you know, the outfits. Like, yeah, I feel the like, chains, yes, the, the hip hop concepts, quote unquote. Yes. Yeah. But I, I kind of miss like that older idol groups had like learning curve, you know, on how to, yes. how to idol versus a lot of these newer groups who come out the gate already, like PS is done, you know, like everything's already perfect. You know, not not yes. the voices, not the not the voices all the time. Not the voices, but, but you know what's like funny? Their job is to be singers, yet the voices <laughs> are the things that never get the the training, yeah. the the work. I listened to both of the titles, and yes. I've ASAP. I did like it much better than So Bad. So Bad is yes. a good song. I thought it had an interesting um, pre-chorus, and I thought one thing that was interesting about Stacy is that I could instantly tell the difference between each person singing. Yes, I cannot say that about a lot of girl groups. Like I'm gonna keep it real. And a lot of girl groups, every vocalist sounds the same because they sing in the same key and they try to mimic each other's tones. And Stacey was like, you know what? We all sound kind of different from each other. And they kind of ran with that. And I really like that. But I will say ASAP, girl, that that song is something else. I do agree with you that about being like kind of forgetting about it almost immediately. But it's not because it's a bad song. No, no. I I don't know why there there just wasn't a staying power. And I'm sure that when I listen to it more, it'll definitely be like earwormy in my head Uh, because ASAP is really like (laughs) it's just it is something that has potential to be ear- earwormy. Yeah. I thought again with that song, the pre-chorus was amazing. The core, the pre-chorus and the chorus are two of my favorite parts of the song. But to me, the best part is the bridge because it's completely different from the rest of the song, but not in that stereotypical K-pop way where it just sounds like it's all mashed together for no reason. It's mm-hmm. actually quite pleasant, and I find that their vocalists are like not bad at all to me. No. I think that Shion, the main vocal. She actually has a really good voice, like really good. And I was quite impressed. Um, there's another member, I believe it may be Sen. I think it's her. It's either her or Isa, or I think her name is actually Isa. Isa, yeah. Um, I, it's either Sen or Isa who sings on that bridge. They come in before Shin. They sing like the first part of the bridge. And I really like the way that 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 part is saying. I just don't know who sings it. I have to like, I'm not that familiar with their faces yet. So I have to figure that out. But I did quite like that. And I thought that one thing I liked about ASAP uh, more than so bad was watching the MV because the choreo was so cute. I was and it was say, like actually, <laughs> I was going to mention that, <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it was so, it was some of the cutest choreo I've seen in a while. And yeah. I mean that in the best possible way. It was so easy. Like it, it's easy in that point dance kind of way. Like anybody can do it. It can be a TikTok dance or whatever. Not saying that they should do that because those are starting to get annoying to me, but um, (laughs) I can see it going viral, especially if this was like 2012, that dance would have easily went viral. And I think that one thing that is kind of, that I I fear with ASAP and So Bad though, is because the choreo is so simple for ASAP and then So Bad, I, I think it just doesn't have the coil that would be hard hitting. I mm-hmm. think that it can be easy to see their performances in a light that's maybe not so positive, mm-hmm. but because it's like not all that technically intricate, like, you know, in like a or Luna, right? Or interesting. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. just kind of like there to be fun and cute. I, I think that people might use that as a negative on them, but I don't think it should be because I watched the video. There's a video that, you know, we have included in here of a notable performance where they are doing like the medley of all the different K-pop songs and they're just yeah. performing them and doing the choreo. And they hit every song. I felt that they hit the choreo. In fact, 
almost every song they did, I thought they did better than the original group. <laughs> Who yeah, did it? No, it was only when they got to their own choreo that I thought it was like, oh, kind of lackluster. But I think yeah. it's because the choreo itself isn't the most technical or the most you know, eye popping, right? Yeah. It's meant to be easy, uh, yeah. easy looking, I should say, not easy, but easy looking. Whereas when they were doing like, you know, Luna's, I mean, not Luna, um, NCT's choreo, when they were doing, which at this point, Luna and NCT are the same group, but <laughs> <laughs> when they were doing NCT, when they were doing Stray Kids, like they were hitting it harder than Stray Kids. Like I thought it was really good. But other than that, I think the big thing that I kind of walked away from them was that they were all pretty charismatic for them to be such so young yeah. and so new. They yeah. all had like like presence. And I think what was interesting is that n n there wasn't a single member that outshined another member. Usually with like any group, <laughs> you know, especially ones with like more than five members, one member is going to stand out more than everybody else. Yeah. But with them, they all kind of were on an even playing field. And I thought that there was almost like a like a an element of each of them kind of wanting to be the center of attention in in a in a good way, not in a bad way, that really stood out to me with them. Because I feel like other groups, there's always one person who sort of naturally rises to the occasion and then everybody else falls back because they recognize that. Mm -hmm. With them, I just felt like they all were kind of competing to be number one. And because of that, they came together very well. And it was like, as a group, they looked really like professional. And, yeah. and even when they got into their unit dances in the, the dance medley, they looked really nice. Last thing, not a big fan of their chant. Um, I think it's like, Stacy, how, how, how's it? What, how's it go? Um, it goes, they say Stacey, it at the beginning. Stacy girls. It's going oh, down. Stacy <laughs> girls is going down. Like, yeah, actually, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah. No, I was going to say, Ashley Liz also had a question about that. Um, so on Twitter, they said, Stacy already has an iconic open line with Stacy girls. It's going down. What are other great lines like that? And if you could create that for a group or solo that doesn't have one, what would it be? So okay, cool. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good yeah. listener question. Uh, we might have to have a segment now for that, but. <laughs> I'll, I'll address this in two parts by one yeah. saying I'm going to apologize to Liz that I don't really like Stacey Girls is going down. <laughs> I do think it will end up being like if they get bigger, it probably will end up being iconic just because that's like the way things go. But yeah. I think Blackpink and Yaria. I was going to say. <laughs> that's I so iconic. That or Blackpink is the revolution. Like I think those are like some of the best ones that I've seen that or twice. That always gets Twice. randomly thrown yeah. into any song. But even, even Blackpink is so yeah, iconic. Is you love true. it. But I think in terms of like boy groups, I think one that I like that isn't, I guess it's not really a, a chant. But for some reason, I do some songs. Like I like um, NCT in the house or like um, NCT also has like their, they like, um, well, how is it? Neo... Neo, something I forgot. I honestly forgot it because I haven't listened to NCT in so long. But there's another one that NCT does that I really like too. Um, those are like the main like lines or chants that I like. I think are pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, I can't think of any other ones. Can you think of any other ones? All I know, like honestly, outside of those ones, the only other ones I can think of is like Double B from Bam Bam. And <laughs> it's your boy Double B. <laughs> yeah, every single song, almost every song, actually, or the JYP whisper. JYP, JYP. 
they do they do need like a like that's one thing about like rap songs that yeah. are kind of like I didn't realize were a thing. Rap songs kind of have a chant too. Like yeah. if every producer has their own thing, like mustard on the beat or like a uh, dark child. Like yeah, yeah, they yeah, all yeah. Have their own thing. I need a so cha cha like, beat boy or like gray. Like literally in any gray song that he produces, it's like all you hear is gray. <laughs> like just like yeah. right before the song starts. So I think those are good. If I could create one, oh, that would be hard. Cause I feel that is, like that's really difficult. Yeah, cause you have to like, like, do you want to say their name, like their full name? Like some some names you you like, it just doesn't fit. Like Sonoshi Day, are they gonna just are are they gonna scream out like girls, girls generation? <laughs> like what? And, <laughs> and then also weird, like, right? and then also like some of them have like these kind of like almost anthem like slogans so yeah. like you know black pink in your area or black pink is the revolution is like is, that's a slogan right yeah, yeah. like stacy's thing it's a slogan right so yeah. like i can't come up with slogan is very hard that's why people get paid a lot of money to come up with slogans um i don't and i, I if if i could say a group that probably would be cool to have a slogan for mm -hmm. i think ats because of their whole concept they would be a group that would be yeah, cool to have a I slogan agree. for and then i think um I, you know what? You could kind of consider shiny. You could kind of say they have a slogan, though not really. But um, John Can he would say, "Shiny boys in the house." <laughs> it was so adorable, cute. adorable. Um, um Everglow actually I, did too. Like they say their name it? in they say their name in all their songs, like Everglow, or whatever, right? But in La Di Da, they did Everglow forever. Let's go. So I feel oh, like that's okay. really cute. <laughs> yeah, well. that is cute. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like it's like Big Bang yelling out, Big Bang. Like, I don't know. Wait, like, I just yeah. like just <laughs> I mean, they're from the 2010s. That would probably be something they would do, okay? Uh <laughs> mm. yeah, I don't know, like like super junior what going to do. Oh, oh, I know. Right? I, I would puke. I honestly I would let me stop. I be hating on Suju all the time, but yeah. Um I, I can't. I don't know. Two PM could do one. It would have to be really sexy, though, yeah. like to match there. But they could do it. They could pull it off. Like if they had a chant I, or a slogan. Yeah. But I can't. Boonia, Other than that, Boonia, that that could be the <laughs> slogan. <laughs> <laughs> that could but be like, like yeah, yeah. There's this. They could just randomly start singing that in like every song. <laughs> Like, yeah, great. that was like okay, but I feel like other if 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 a group has a slogan, it has to be a group that has like a certain type of concept. Yeah. Like I don't think every concept works with it a slogan. Like seventeen, I think has one seventeen right here. So seventeen is mm -hmm. seventeen right here, but it only works in certain seventeen songs. songs you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't just throw it in every single song. Like I mean, Blackpink doesn't <laughs> throw it in every single Blackpink song either, right? Wait, do you remember? Do you remember like? We so we just recently did the 17 album review exclusive on Patreon. Feel free to check that out if you want to. But um, um, do you remember when we were listening to the R&B song at the very end? Do you remember that the one we really liked uh, of the last album? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, like the, yeah, the, the one the that sounded like baby, baby face. face. Yes, the baby face one. Girl, yes. could you imagine 17 right here? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Honestly, though, it could work. It could work it because could. that song had a right amount of cheese factor that it actually could have worked. Yes. Because, I mean, 
I don't think that double B needs to be in, in a lot of the songs that it's in. But Batman will like, but Batman will say it like fast. He'll say it slow. Like he, he he's on top of that. So double <laughs> like, B, like double B, and then he'll be like double B, and I'm just like, okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> yeah, but like other than that, like yeah, a group has to have like I don't think. You know what? Too bad you tried to do it, girl. And it was so cringy. It was like they had Yanjun come in at the beginning of the track. I think I forgot which track it was, but he goes, Tomorrow put together. I'm like, no, girl, don't do that ever again in your life. No, no, but, no. I think you need to do a short form if you're going if your name's that long. I'm sorry. I just think like Yeah. 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 Or, I, or I have can't to be think... right out the gate. Cause black pink in your area was like literally the first thing we heard from them. Like so. right. precisely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, but yeah. other than that, no, that's a great question, and that's really interesting to play around with. Maybe we could uh, just like come up with some slogans for next time, and yes. just like throw them out there. Also, copyright them so that we are forced to get paid for them. Yes. Um, but yeah, <laughs> other than that, like your your group has to have like a certain hardcore concept or like a girl, like something that's like overall. Like it can't be, it can't be I, a cute concept could work, but it would have to be like a certain type of cute concept if that makes like twice like twice does it like twice like it had to be like that it yeah. couldn't be something like a like a whole full drawn out slogan like a yeah. piece of prose if you have a cute concept it just won't work to me but anyway back to stacy i have to say that i'm excited to see what these girls have to offer they are yeah. very interesting they are really young so they are babies but um that's not there's no reason to like write somebody off i will say I wish we would stop referencing youth in K-pop so much. It's yes. kind of getting old to me. Yes. Like, I feel like it started off being that way in like the early 2010s. Don't get me wrong. It's always been about youth. But like, I feel like the early 2010s is when people started making explicit references to like youth culture in K-pop. Yeah. Yeah. And so like this, a star to a young culture, which is what their name, you know, stands for, as you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I just think, eh. yeah. It doesn't need to be the focus. I, I will say, like, just to wrap it up, that um, yeah. they are the first groups that um, Black Eyed Pilsung debuted, and they're, like, monsters in industry, like, as production and a songwriting duo. They did, like, Touch My Body, Only You, like, Ooh, uh, ooh Cheer Up, TT, Likey, Fancy, I'm So Sick. Great, oh, great oh, music. Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping, like, I feel like the music will always be good, so it's really about the girls maybe coming out a little bit more like through experience obviously you know like and showing what they're capable of and i think pushing sort of like the boundaries of what you know a group as young as stacy is because they debuted last year in november okay they're not even a year old is capable of doing but yeah i'm i'm very excited and i'm definitely gonna keep my eyes on stacy and asap is a bop hopefully it'll grow on me so <laughs> yeah yes uh but yes thank you for listening um if what what do we usually say then? Oh, if you want to connect with us, you know you can do so on our socials. That will yes. be Twitter at Nyan Netizens. That's M-Y-A-N-E-T-I-Z-E-N-S. We also have Facebook and Instagram, Not Your Average Netizens. And you can also reach out to us via Gmail at notyouraveragenetizens at gmail.com. Also, also, if you have not subscribed to our Patreon, please consider doing so. We post weekly album reviews, uh, drama reactions and reviews yeah. um we're getting into some different types of content as well we also post like unfiltered discussions about all sorts of topics surrounding asian entertainment and culture so if that sounds like something you'll be interested in 
please click the link to our Patreon, which we will put in the description for wherever we upload this podcast, which you can find pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. So with that being said, thank you all for listening. Any shout outs, Nat? You know, I always want to say shout out to Got7. So I'll just leave it at that. Cool. And I will keep it simple. And I will say shout out to Om Pawat and Anon Korapat, my favorite actors right now. And they just did a live stream the, the other day. And it was very cute. So shout outs to them. Aww. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.